Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, welcome everybody. Another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. <clears throat> Glad you all can join us again. Um, as always, uh, here with Zach and Robert. I uh, hope you guys are doing okay this evening. Just oh, yeah. dancing, my friend. And uh, want to shout out, I uh, just checked. It looks like we're up to 800 subscribers. Nice. I know Ooh. that doesn't seem like a lot, but <laughs> for a fledgling podcast with no real advertising and really no platform, um, that's actually a really big deal for us. So, yeah. yay. Um, we're happy about Ooh. that. Um, yeah, because we all have full-time jobs. We're not like professional, like full-time no. podcasters. Yeah, living so. in our parents' basement. <laughs> we're recording from a parents, but no, we're no, not. No, we're not. <laughs> we're actually in a church, uh, fitting enough. With no. a steeple and there's pews and all of us people. No, yeah. but uh, no, I really want to say a shout out to all of our listeners. And uh, if you are listening to us, we're really glad um, that you're here and uh, we hope you're enjoying it. Um, last time I think we recorded, we dove into a psalm, Psalm 1. We also mm -hmm. kind of picked it apart and really kind of went um, kind of a deep dive into how to study mm -hmm. the Bible yep. using Psalms 1 as an example. And I think tonight uh, we're kind of continuing that um, trend again. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got some other uh, psalms, and this time we're going to read three different versions of the same passage. Two of them are going to be translations, and I'm going to be reading, uh, what would you call them, message? A paraphrase. A paraphrase yeah. version. Yeah. So you can kind of get a sense of some of the difference between a translation and an interpretation, I guess you could say. So Zach and Robert, uh, take it away and let me know. All right. So again, um, whenever you do basic Bible study, uh, one thing that you always like rule one that kind of keeps you in the realm of not going into crazy, uh, uh, thought or anything like that is to be mindful of the genre and again like last time we are in the book of psalms and the book of psalms is the in in the in the old testament you can separate it in different groups you have the pentateuch which is the first five books then you have some historical works and then you have the books of literature or poetry, such as Proverbs, Psalms, Song of Songs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. Um, so that's I believe it's five. If I didn't say five, I meant five. And and so yeah, and so with that in mind, with that idea of the idea, okay, we are you we are in the book of poetry. We're in. 
um, kind of like what Robert said last time, last time I recorded, it's like we have lost the music to these, but we are looking at different songs. And the reason why we're kind of camping out here in the book of uh, Psalms is because there's a lot of short um, works. And uh, one important thing um, with whenever you read the Bible is keeping in mind context. And with the book of Psalms, it's like, okay, well, Psalm 6 or whatever, whatever psalm that we're looking at tonight, that psalm is meant to be read with those verses. Like, again, like, for instance, Psalm 15, we're going to be covering that one first. There's literally five verses in that um, song, and that's all there is. There's no other context. It might refer to, like, some historical things, and it might refer to, you know, commandments or this or that or what have you, but it's not actually tied to anything else. Whereas, like, if you open up, say, for instance, the Gospel of John, and you flip to John chapter 3, well, that's not a good idea to start there because you have John chapter 1, John chapter 2 to kind of help give context and the uh, the flow of how the story goes and it helps make sense of things. Whereas, you know, reading uh, a psalm, you know, it's short, it's sweet, and it doesn't really have any hanging on anything else to help interpret it. So it kind of... You kind of get a feel for, okay, this is poetic language, this is poetry, there is symbolism, there is references potentially to different things such as God's commandment to Yahweh, things like that. So it just kind of gives you a little tiny taste of how to read the scriptures. And that's really what we're hoping to do is kind of give you an example to kind of go off of. And like um, and like Brian said a minute ago, we're kind of going into it's like kind of like last time we're going to first read from one translation and then to the other translation and back and forth and then also including the uh the message here which is a paraphrase um just to get a feel for like the differences of translation versus a uh, uh other translation versus a uh paraphrase um so I'm going to get started and just like I said before we will be in Psalm 15 and there is a subheading in that psalm. It says, A Psalm of David. It just means that David wrote the psalm. Uh, so here we go. Uh, verse 1 says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep the promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. And that is the NLT translation, Robert. I believe you said you have the ESV. I do. Go ahead and hit it, bud. All right. So uh, running through these same five verses from the ESV, again, the same message, but it's worded slightly differently. Uh, David asks the question, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? 
uh, sojourn, just meaning to stay there. Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And then he answers the question, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. All right. Now we're going to get wild and crazy, and we are going to read a paraphrase. And, Brian, if you would be so kind. Uh, yeah. So um, here is the message. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, all right. There's no way to do it just to dive in. <laughs> Have you guys read the message of this of this no, one? No. Okay. All right. God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? Walk straight, act right, tell the truth. <laughs> Don't hurt your friend. Don't blame your neighbor. Despise the despicable. Keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living and never take a bribe. You'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. That's it? Wow. That's it. So I'm not, don't get me wrong out there. I'm not making fun of the message. I'm not. It's just listening to those. This is my actually very first time reading or even looking at the message is literally right now on this podcast. (laughs) Um, So that was the first time ever. And that was just such a shock after reading the ESV for so long. And then all of a sudden for the first, it was like a little bit of a culture shock there of, uh, of reading that kind of took me off guard, but I'm not making fun of it there. I'm sure there's a lot of people who, if that's your first introduction mm-hmm. that for a lot of people, that might be a really great starting point. Right, right, so right. not making fun of it, not disparaging the message. <laughs> it's just so different. Like, uh, 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 Robert read, uh, your first, uh, verse one, and then I'll read mine again. Yes. So it says, O Lord, who shall, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And then your verse 1 says, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> All right. so right there, you can kind of see, like, one thing with translations is they really try to capture, if not the word for word, kind of like what Robert was talking about, how it mentions the word sojourn. And sojourn, like if you are want to do a word study on that idea of what that word means, it's kind of like someone who is a transplant, someone who is not actually from that area that is so like, in other words, like a good way of looking at it is Christians are sojourning in this world that that we live in right now. We are aliens to it, not in the sense of UFO aliens, but in the sense that our world is or our kingdom is not of this world. And so the, the concept that Robert's translation uses sojourn, which means like a person who is not native to the area. And so in a way, it's kind of like asking the question to the sojourn, you know, like who asking God, who can who can be invited to your dinner table? I mean, that that sounds like a weird uh, way of putting it. 
because uh, mine says, "Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter the presence, your presence, in the holy hill?" Because that right there, that is referring to the fact that at the time, in the uh, time of David, there was a tent that was set up. Like there wasn't even a temple yet. Uh, so if you imagine, this is back almost. 1100 roughly uh bce before before christ and so at this point in time there is just the tent of meeting um it's a very elaborate tent it's very beautiful uh but it's very um uh transitory like it has traversed since the time of its creation uh being directed from god to the people under moses they kind of made this in honor of the Lord doing and working in their lives and hearts and things of that nature. And so you have this kind of like idea that God is, um, how do you approach God in worship? How do you approach him? And you don't even get that from the message. The message just, and you see that's, that's where it's important if you do use the message, which there's nothing wrong with using it, but make sure you have a good, solid translation right there with you. That way you get a better idea because, like Brian said, it's like it's talking about the dinner table. Well, in reality, it's not talking about a dinner table at all. It's talking about worshiping the Lord. And that's why it's it can be potentially dangerous in the sense, like, if you're looking for that to be your solid Bible study, you won't find that. You'll no. find good ideas, potentially, but they don't always line up with what the text actually says. And then that might create some confusion. So that's why we always recommend um, an actual translation. And that's point blank right there, a good example mm -hmm. of having a translation over a paraphrase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, so I want to like kind of like because one thing you have to keep in mind with reading the Old Testament, especially something like the Psalms, is it is not written in light of the gospel. Um, so it's important to keep in mind like this doesn't answer the question of how is one saved or anything of that nature. And it talks about kind of like works or deeds or things like that. Um, but applying it in the sense um, to the New Testament, if we take, for instance, the fact that we're all guilty and we're all filled with blame, uh, as the New Testament describes, um, us um, choosing to do what is right, speaking truth from sincere hearts, uh, refuse to gossip. All these things are good things, but these things do not lead to eternal life. These things are just like if you're looking at objective good things, these are objective good things, but those objective good things do not lead to salvation, if that makes sense. Uh, is that making sense? Am I being... Oh, no, yeah, you're fine. Okay. Just, just want to clarify because sometimes I say things that do not correspond to what I'm thinking. And sometimes I put my foot in my mouth, which is like 101. I'm so easy at doing that. Um, but 
that that is why going back to kind of what I was saying before I paused is why we look at the Old Testament and look and see if there there's principles that we can glean from it. What are some things like, okay, let's say you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this kind of gives you uh, a uh, path to walk, so to speak. Like if you're not looking for this to fulfill your salvation, but if you're looking at it in terms of sanctification, in other words, I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. How do I love my neighbor? Well, I speak the truth from a sincere heart. I refuse to get involved with gossip against my neighbor or speak evil of their friends. You know, I do not participate with those with sinners. Um, and I honor the Lord and faithful to the Lord. Um, and keep their promises even when it hurts. You know, again, these are good things that point out a good uh, roadmap for sanctification, a good way of living, a good idea of conducting yourself. Um, if you lend money out to somebody, because the Bible, believe it or not, there's actually a lot of practical financial advice in Scripture. Um, but this right here says those who lend money without charging interest. Like if you gave someone, someone needed a hundred bucks and you gave them a hundred bucks instead of sitting there going, well, okay, for every day you don't pay me back, I'm going to charge a dollar every day that you don't bring the hundred dollars back. It says, nope, just you owe me a hundred bucks. Whenever you can get it to me, give me a hundred bucks and don't charge interest. And, uh, who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. That is huge. I mean, again, this is good conduct, not salvation, but good sanctification. Robert, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, well, when I look at these verses, and just to reemphasize what Zach said, I mean, it's not about salvation. It's just what, what kind of behavior does God approve of in light of the fact that we're all sinners and all of us fall short, and he lists these things. Looking at the way the ESV words some of these, um, one, thing I th one thing that strikes me is um, how much, even though it talks about outward behavior, it talks subtly about the condition of your heart and your soul which carries into the new testament the idea that you know faith is what brings you salvation rather than um, anything you can do physically uh remind me in the zach and your nlt uh read uh verse two again for me okay those who lead blameless lives and do what is right speaking the truth from sincere hearts thank you that's what jumps out at me right away is just um, it's the one who walks blamelessly, but the, the very last line in it speaks truth in his heart. And so it's it would be interesting to say that, you know, you walk and you talk in blameless ways, but the idea of he's, he speaks truth in his heart. And so the idea is that instead of just truth coming out of your mouth, truth coming from your heart inside your heart, if that makes sense. And so... It's the, it's the subtle reminder that God looks at the heart and sees the inner person rather than, you know, someone who can walk blamelessly on the outside for all the wrong reasons, 
they're not speaking the truth within their heart. They're mm-hmm. not be their actual um, condition, their heart condition, their attitudes, uh, their emotions towards you know Christ, towards life, towards everything. Uh, everything is in line with what you see on the outside. And so the very first verse talks about those who do the right thing and those who think and internalize the right thing also, which the second one can be so much harder to do than the first. Mm-hmm. Um, it st- if I already shared this illustration during a previous show, somebody stopped me. But No, we won't, <laughs> we won't do it. We'll just, just sit in, back and say, hey, you already said that afterwards. Wait, just in case someone hasn't heard it on another episode. But uh, I once had a Bible professor when I was in seminary talk about the idea of uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible's emphasis on the heart, the heart condition. And he was talking about how um, all the commandments except the last one have to do with your outward behavior. You know, you shall not kill. You shall not dishonor your parents. It's easy to do all those things and still have a sour attitude on the inside. And then he said, when you get to the last one, you shall not covet. That's the one that really strikes people in the head. It's this reminder that God sees the inside because he's saying, you shall not want to uh, possess anything that your your neighbor owns. And so it's not just you won't steal it. You can covet it all day and not steal it, but it's saying you shall not want to steal it. Mm. And that can be very, very hard, almost impossible to yank out of your heart without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the illustration he gave for this was the idea that, um, you know, we've got stop signs and red lights all throughout the country, and you're supposed to stop when you see those. And he said, what if the police department of any given county was insane enough to try to make a new law that not only can you, uh, are you not allowed to run it, but now you're not allowed to want to run it. Hmm. And he said the police would drive themselves insane trying to faithfully uh, carry this law through. Because, I mean, how in the world would you even consider, because you'd have to stop everybody and give them a polygraph test through the window. It's like, did you want to stop at this stop sign? (laughs) I mean, why would they ever do that? Because they can only govern so far, and yet God is able to reach farther than the police ever would be, or any law government figure, because God can see what is inside of a heart, inside of a mind. And he can actually tell when someone is being less than sincere someone is saying lord lord but they don't mean it in their hearts it was a warning that jesus gave he said at the end of the days there will be some people who will be shocked to find out that they haven't really been saved because they didn't know him personally they just ministered in his name and he'll say i didn't know you my name came out of your mouth but you didn't even know me on the inside and so this idea of the person who not only walks but thinks it and uh, becomes what they claim to be on the inside is the man or woman who pleases God. But uh, everything kind of falls through with that. If you can, and it's an ideal, but if you can fulfill verse 2, verses 3 through 5 fall into place. Those who despise wickedness, those who love to tell the truth, those who refuse to be greedy with their money, those who refuse to become selfish with their lives, those who want to leave a good reputation and a good legacy. It all flows from the heart and a walk and a talk and a thought that matches all together. But that can only be achieved through the Holy Spirit. This is something that, you know, at the time, the the Jews who sang this song for the very first time, 
you know, they were just praising what it means to look like a godly person in society, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the story was incomplete because we ha- now we look back on Christ, but at the time they had this idea that, yes, this God, this Yahweh, is pleased when people uh, become what they claim to be and then show it on the outside in ways that show love and peace and justice and compassion, and yet God sees the heart. And so that's the that's the big thing that I got from the psalm overall. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add, Brian? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I can't say anything better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's uh, just kind of rehash it just a little bit. Um, again, that's the importance of like step being able to step back and understand the Old Testament. You know, obviously, a lot of things are written before there's a complete unveiling of the Christ. Um, and so there are certain ideas that um, could potentially create uh, a misconception there. Um, and so that's one thing. That's why we're trying to kind of piggyback into the New Testament, even though t- contextually the New Testament isn't written yet in the whenever this was first written. But it's kind of like, in a way, it's like if you don't keep in mind from the New Testament perspective as Christian, as a Christian, then you might get misunderstandings and uh, uh, things of that nature. And that's why we're trying to kind of curtail. I mean, like we're focusing on the Psalms. We're focusing on the Old Testament, mainly because it's just a short, sweet Psalm that you can get the entire meaning from pretty quick. And, and that's really why we're hammering through it the way we are. Um, I always recommend uh, just kind of backing up a little bit, kind of going back over some of the stuff we talked about in the past. You know, um, the nice thing about doing a word-for-word translation, the study, um, kind of like going off Robert's translation, that word sojourn again, uh, to look it up. Uh, look it up. Um, you can find the word... Uh, you, if you have your smartphone, just turn on your smartphone, type in what does sojourn in the Bible mean? Sojourner in the Bible, what does that mean? Or sojourner in the Old Testament, what does that mean? And and that's one thing, kind of like what we talked about last time. Uh, if you have a journal, like key words or key phrases or ideas that are written or that you've, you've learned or you encounter for the first time, um, to write those things down or encourage you to write those things down so that you can kind of get like a, a develop your your uh, Christian worldview, so to speak. What is the text saying? What does the text mean? You know, things like that. Um, because journaling, it I know it sounds tedious. I know it sounds weird, especially with modern day, you know, uh, I mean, and you, the thing is, is, you know whether it's on a um, a book, a spiral notebook, or um, you know uh, an iPad or or tablet or whatever. You know, however you feel comfortable taking notes. The important thing is to take notes so that you can then look back at the insights that you've gleaned through previous readings um, and grow in your spiritual walk, grow in your understanding of what the Bible means, grow in your understanding of what 
the Old Testament says, understand the, what the New Testament says and things like that. And that's the importance of journaling. It's not just, you know, dear diary, I'm sharing my thoughts and feelings. Although there might be times where, you know, you might be going through something uh, spiritually and you feel like God's a thousand miles away from you. And it might be important to, you know, journal that. Um, but then also remembering that God is, even when we don't feel his presence, he's still here. He's still acting. He's still involved. Um, and so in a way, it's kind of like recording how you feel, but also remembering God's truths and recording those things, too, to kind of speak into those situations when you find yourself in those dark times. Or, you know, like, say, for instance, um, you have the temptation to uh, become involved with people who like to tear people down and and uh, say hurtful things. Although sometimes truth does hurt, but, you know, there is a way in which to tell the truth and there is a way in which um, uh, to confront somebody in, the, in a loving way about the truth without you know, ripping, <laughs> ripping them apart and making them feel stupid for what they believe or what they think. There is a way to actually communicate those things to them. And that's why we feel like, you know, those things are important, if that makes sense. Good stuff. Um, to kind of finish off the, the, the study with this song, because we picked a short one on purpose. You know, amen. <laughs> uh, amen. A great place to dwell, obviously, for the finale of this would be that very last line. Uh, when David wrote the psalm, he considered it, you know, the perfect, the, the right thought to end this on. So obviously, let's follow his lead and end on that thought. He's listing all the things that a righteous person does, those who want to please the Lord. And then he finally ends it with the sentence. He who does these things, and everything we've already listed, he who does these things shall never be moved. So let's talk a little bit about what it means to never be moved, because mm -hmm. it is a promise, but we've got to understand exactly what that promise means or else we're going to be disappointed. Hey, First, hey. what does it not mean for it shall not be moved? Zach, any thoughts? Well, um, immediate, like, there, there's, there is the phrase... Um, a hill on which to die. And what that means is whenever you come to a point where there's something that, you know, whether you get it from the scripture or what have you, and there's just a undeniable truth. So that's a good example. Jesus is God. That is a hill that I will stand on by his grace, by his mercy and I will stand there and I will hold that ground no matter what I will stand firm on that um, uh, a example of something that you know you may that is might be important to you but may not be um, something to make a big deal about is uh, what translation to read or something like that um, kind of like the idea of standing firm holding your convictions uh things of that nature and having like a, a really uh a firm commitment to that where you're not willing to 
back down on it, but at the same time, showing mercy and compassion. That's that that um the other side of the coin as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, another thing is it doesn't mean. And this can be preached sometimes, and as a preacher, I definitely hate hearing it. It takes five years off my life every time I hear it. But like, how does this go? So I can make sure to preach it every five minutes and make sure you shorten your life by a lot. Dang. Okay. <laughs> but uh, hey, you get to be with Jesus faster. Yeah. And this thing straight home. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, every time I hear it preached, you know, you shall not be moved. The idea being. If you stand firm in, you know, the teachings of the church, and by that I mean stuff outside Scripture, if you stand by the teachings of Scripture itself, uh, especially, and I'm really hitting a nerve, especially if you tithe enough to the church, you shall not be moved in the sense that God's going to bless you where you're at. You're going to become promoted. You're going to be elevated. You're going to become a leader among men. Uh, The modern version of that is climbing a ladder in a corporate office. And we have this idea, and a lot of you are already familiar with the prosperity gospel. We mentioned it last time, but for those who didn't hear it before, I don't want to skip the opportunity to not talk about it in isolation. It it never promises us that we won't be completely moved or shaken in the sense that we will be completely unharmed or um, unapproachable in the spot that we're at. It's not a physical protection. It's the idea that if this is who you are, then no matter what happens, because the promise is that you will most likely be moved, you will most likely be shaken a little bit. Uh, people, you know, have tragedies happen to them. People get injured. People go through dark times. And when these things do happen, because that's the world we live in, when these things do unnecessarily un, uh, happen, they undoubtedly happen, when they come, you will not be moved on the inside because you'll know who you are. You'll know where you stand. You'll know, more than anything, whose you belong to. And because of that, you're going to not be movable despite the things that shake you on the outside, the things that come at you from the world, uh, things that hit you in life. But you will not be shaken because you'll, you'll stand for, true to who you've been because you know whose you are. And that is the true meaning of you shall not be moved. And that's David's final thought as he closes that psalm. It's not just the man who follows these things. It's the one who understands that as long as they, you stand firm in the God for whom you're doing it, you won't be moved when things shake up. And if anyone was shaken up, it was David. Uh, he was pursued for years by King Saul. Not to go down that rabbit hole, but that was the life he led. That's the legacy in, of his testimony. He was pursued not just by Saul, but later by his own son, people wanting to kill him, bookending his reign as king. And yet he continued to lean on the same God he's singing about. And by doing that, he becomes this person who refuses to be moved because Scripture remembers him as a, God, as a man after God's own heart, despite these hardships, based some of it because of his own sin. And yet his, uh, pro- the promise he received in God stood firm and was fulfilled in Christ. But that's another episode for another day. Well, I mean, if you hmm. wanted to throw some insights from the message, you're more than welcome to. It I mean, it it goes so deep, <laughs> like, like you know, <laughs> I can throw, walk straight, act right, and tell the truth. 
Oh, yeah. That's all of verse two. <laughs> That's the entire. No. Um, it sounds like advice from like a cowboy uncle. Yeah, walk straight. If you walk the line, you don't skirt the line. You stay on the line, then you're going to be a good boy. You're going to be a good man. Keep your word even if it costs you. Make an honest living. Never take a bribe. No, but no, that's um, that's really good stuff. Um, I uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Those are fun. It's the message's fault. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord is your BFF. Stop. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> oh my. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's really great insight into uh, really exploring the difference between like you said zach the difference between the translations and the paraphrasing or the interpretations um and definitely a, another good example about how to really deep dive into what is it actually telling you mm-hmm. and what's the meaning behind the words either on your screen or on the page um where are we heading uh, for the next one uh, for the next session uh, we will be jumping into just one more psalm before moving on. Uh, not to be overly repetitive, but we're going to jump into another psalm to give you one more example of how uh, it, it's a good idea to read through poetry. And uh, in particular, we're going to be reading a very famous one called Psalm 23. But we'll save any of any quotations for next time. Yeah, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, kind of a shorter episode uh, tonight, but uh, we are approaching kind of the holiday season. Um, I think we've got, what, one more uh, episode or two more sessions? One yeah, more session. before our holiday break. Yeah, and then we may be taking a break um, until after, um, until after, after fireworks the holidays. Days. But we do record several of these, uh, just for y'all listening, we do record several of these in advance. So we do try to keep uh, quite a backlog um, kind of already recorded that we release on a regular basis. But um, yeah, we'll definitely keep posting regularly and um, regularly. I just butchered that word. We're from the South. (laughs) Regularly. Regularly. No, we really appreciate everybody listening. Um... Like I said, uh, wherever you're listening to us, whatever podcatcher, definitely leave us a like, leave us a review. That's how we get better. Um, that's kind of how we know what you guys want to hear, what you want us mm-hmm. to talk about. And um, if you want to visit our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast um, on Facebook. And yeah, we'll pick back up in another psalm uh, on the next episode. And thank you guys. Thank oh, you. yeah. <laughs>